Welcome to Season 2 of the Podcast. You are listening to The Family Culture Project, Episode number 13, When Your Spouse is Not on Board, with special guest, Elisa Pulliam. We're Carl and Kimberly Amici, and we're here to help you live a life of purpose with the ones you love. And become the family you were meant to be. So the reason why I wanted to do this episode was because I feel like there are listeners out there that may be wondering if they're able to build their family culture to change their legacy on their own. In an ideal world, two people would work together and set the values, set the tone, set the cultural practices for their family together. But not everybody has that situation. And in this episode, I'm really excited about talking to listeners about the influence and the power that they have and the simple changes that they can make for themselves and for their family if they're doing it alone. So that's why I brought on Elisa Pulliam. She's a life coach and has experience working with people who are looking to make changes in their life and overcome obstacles. And oftentimes when she coaches people, she has to take in consideration that there's other people involved. She has plenty of experience in coaching somebody that's looking to overcome obstacles, that's looking to make changes in their lives, but may not have the support or the input or be able to collaborate with their spouse. And so she's able to coach them and encourage them that they can make lasting changes in their life and in their families through the small, simple steps that they make on their own. Yeah, one of the things that she said in the interview is that as an individual, we have the power to impact every person that we are in a relationship with by our actions and by our words, the words that we choose to say and the words that we choose not to say. That's definitely true. I've seen that in our life and in our relationship in terms of when I've made changes, when I've gotten into whether it's um, better time management or better nutrition, whatever it is that I choose to do in my life trickles down to everybody else. And then what I start to see is everybody gets on board. Like it's one thing for mom to come and say, hey guys, we're going to start eating healthy. When I do that, everybody hems and haws and oh my gosh and blah, blah, blah. Can I still have this? Can I still have that? As opposed to me just making simple changes without making a big announcement, that's when I start to see it affect people. Yeah, I think, um, you know, I've said the same thing to you over time after you've gone through your coaching and and the progress that you've made over time. I can remember saying to you just out of the blue that, you know, I definitely see a, a big change in the way you act, especially with the children and, and, and just how you go about the day and then how you organize yourself and then how that impacts your, you know, your, your overall demeanor throughout the day, right? One of the things that her husband said to her that kind of touched me was said that, you know, I would like God to do in me what he has been able to accomplish in you. So that's a strong testament to how one person is impacting the other person who may not be on board at the very beginning, but and how, how just one thing at a time over time really does impact the entire family. You know, as a young wife and a young mom, I wasted a lot of time waiting for my husband to collaborate with me on everything. If I had good ideas, I wanted him to be a part of them. If I wanted to make a change in our family, I wanted him to be part of it. If we were to plan an event, I wanted him to be a part of every single piece of that process. And that's not a bad thing to want, but there's not always an opportunity to get together and discuss everything together. Yeah, the timing just doesn't always work out. I eventually came to realize that um, I had a lot of influence on my children, on the culture of my home. And when I took initiative to um, 
go after the life that I wanted, it actually took a lot of pressure off my husband and freed him up to do what he was doing at the time, which was working long hours and providing for our family. And I think that that was a blessing. You know how things go in life. If you if you keep waiting for the perfect time, mm-hmm. um, things tend to get pushed off and, and don't happen, mm-hmm. um, which is a source of frustration. You know, one of the things she said was understanding each other's strengths and weaknesses so that we know where to push each other and to step out of their their comfort zone or our comfort zone um, and basically just doing things one step at a time. Mm-hmm. And the important part, I think, of this interview is that, you know, one person getting started step by step has a big impact and the whole family comes along with it. You know, so it was a good conversation. Hey there. Did you know every family is known for something? What do you want your family to be known for? Download our free family culture discussion sheet. In just 30 minutes, you'll explore who you are as a family and discover who you want to become together. Go to www.thefamilycultureproject.com and start living a life of purpose with the ones you love today. Today, I'll be talking to Elisa Pulliam. Elisa is passionate about helping women experience a fresh encounter with God and his word for the sake of impacting the next generation with kingdom hope. Her latest book, Unblinded Faith, Gaining Spiritual Sight Through Believing God's Word, is described as more than a devotional. It's a tool for growing deep spiritual roots. Lisa is the founder of More to Be, a ministry devoted to equipping women with biblical resources, coaching, and mentor training. She is also the owner of the Kaleo Agency and as a creative strategist, helps female entrepreneurs, coaches, and writers develop their brand marketing in order to convey their message and maximize their mission with ease. Welcome to the podcast. It's so great to have you. Thank you for having me. Love being with you, Kim. So you are a certified life coach. So why don't you tell me a little bit, well, I know about this, but why don't you tell our listeners about this? Because not everybody knows what that is. I know. Yeah. When I, when I tell people that I'm a coach or I teach the coach training class, I feel like it's like my dog, Toby, he kind of cocks his head funny and looks at me <laughs> like if he hears a can opening or food opening, it's sort of like, yeah, yeah. oh, what do you got going on there? Yeah. So uh, coaching is the process of helping somebody move through decision-making ultimately Mm -hmm. to get from point A to point B by figuring out how did they get to point A, what will it take to get to point B and what's standing in their way. And then we can drill down in the process of coaching by using some assessments to understand more about that person's wiring and their values and their beliefs. And so in the coach training course, what I'm doing is I'm helping women understand how the coaching process works, specifically how to ask open-ended questions that gives the the client the opportunity to process out loud in a very effective and powerful way. Mm -hmm. That's great. I mean, life life coaching has been transformative for me, which led me to then get my life coaching certification and you were my instructor. Yes. And so, um, you know, one of the things that you had to- told us to keep in mind was that when we're coaching individuals, there's often other people involved, such as family members, mm-hmm. and they need to be considered as you're walking this person through their decision making and what's go- and, yeah. and what they're planning on doing. So, um, talk to me about why that's important. Talk to me about that dynamic. Yeah. So, in the coach training model, 
uh, we're looking at these phases that I kind of just talked about, the awareness, mm -hmm. the visions, the obstacles, and the strategies. But in the center of this model, we have our core values, which is kind of like our operating system. Mm -hmm. What do we believe and why do we believe it? And then in and around those values and these phases, we talk about the living, loving, leading, working. So essentially that person's whole life. So if I have a woman come to me who wants to be coached for um, spiritual growth and overall life balance with her children and her husband and her work, the decisions that she's making are going to have direct implications on those children, on her work and on her husband. And so if we only coach to her agenda, meaning like what she personally wants without me encouraging her to take into consideration the needs that are around her, she could end up in more friction with her family members than, than she did to start out with. So mm -hmm. whenever I coach a woman, I'm always asking them to help me fill in the pieces of their whole story so that we see how it all works together as a puzzle. It's not, you're not just one person, you're, you're part of a greater body. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So in the family culture building process, in an ideal world, you both would come to the table, you'd work together, you'd make all your decisions together, you'd, you'd be on the same page with everything, but we know that that's not always the case. And so right. I would love for you to just talk to us about um, what you do when you coach and you talk to somebody who may say, yeah, I'm making these changes in my life. I'm coming closer to who I am as a person and who God created me to be. And these are the things I value, but my spouse isn't exactly on board. And that could be for many reasons. How do you, how do you help them to live out their values and make changes in their life? Yeah. So hard because you know, when I teach on this topic of values, at the root of it, we can have values that are inherited. So when, when you come into a marriage, you have two individuals from two different family of origins, two di different academic um, experiences, two different social experiences. It, the mm -hmm. similarities are probably not as common as the differences, mm -hmm. right? So you have these, these two things kind of coming together and then you're creating your own thing moving forward. And that's going to require compromise. So what you could do is identify the points of conflict and try to articulate why each of these things are important to you and look for the common thread. Like, so, so where, where is the compromise, common ground between our differences as we create a new kind of way of doing life as a family? And so, I could give you a gazillion examples. Like literally <laughs> we, we could be here for years because my husband and I've been married 20, it'll be 22 years this summer. And we are as night and day different. Um, <laughs> uh, for years on my kitchen counter, I had three kinds of sugar. I had um, Splenda for my mother-in-law, uh, sugar, just regular plain sugar for my mom. And then I got into sugar in the raw. So there would be three different types of sugars to make everybody happy. <laughs> you know, it was, and my husband decided at that point to start drinking black coffee. So <laughs> you, couldn't, like, you couldn't get any more different. And that, that is a, okay, how will I reconcile these differences? I'm going to choose to do this in an atypical way by honoring each person's differences when it comes mm -hmm. to sugar when it came to say Christmas gifts for the kids. I grew up, um, Christmas morning was a lineup of gifts 
from the Christmas tree out in two large rows that, that were probably eight feet long, biggest gifts to smallest gifts. And that was how my parents celebrated Christmas. That was the most important part of it mm-hmm. was how big and how many. Uh, my husband's family, uh, Stephen doesn't even talk about how they celebrated the gift giving side of Christmas, but our traditions moved in that direction in that we do stockings and then we do German stolen and read the Christmas story. And then we do gifts and he plays quote unquote Santa Claus distributing the gifts and each person takes a turn on wrapping their gifts. And so completely different ways of doing family. Mm-hmm. Now I chose Stephen's traditions because for me not having grown up in a Christian home and him having been raised in a Christian home, I just assumed this must have been the Christian way to do it. Yeah. And <laughs> I didn't know like that we, <laughs> I didn't, I didn't know anything else. And so uh, my kids have now inherited a way that we do that Christmas holiday. But when they come into their own marriages and their own relationships, they're going to have to make some decisions. How many gifts? How much do we spend? What order do we open them in? I mean, I'm, I'm surrounding this around a particular holiday, but I think it's such a good illustration for how you kind of have to think through why is this important and is this necessary is to carry this out or is there another way of doing it? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like the idea of compromise. And I think that um, it's extremely difficult to kind of meld your values and your cultures together if you don't put them out all on the table and talk mm-hmm. about them and say, like you said, where's that common thread? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And so for us around Christmas, the common thread, the thing that I decided was the most important thing was that I wanted us to read the scriptures Christmas morning and the rest of the traditions I was fine with rolling with. And over the years, the way we carry out those traditions have been changed by my influences. So how we pull names for stockings or the fact that the kids all get Christmas pajamas on Christmas Eve and mm-hmm. that's what they wear. I mean, we, we built our own new way of doing things uh, around kind of the core values of Christ is center, is center and central uh, and then followed by family doing things together as a family is a priority to us. Mm-hmm. Well, that's good. Yeah. I mean, I think it's important to figure out what it is that is super important to you and what you can roll with, because I think that makes compromise a lot easier. It, mm-hmm. it helps makes working together a lot easier. I love that. Yeah. It's harder when it comes to area of money and, mm-hmm. and time and you know, for Stephen and I, I, I could be a workaholic and I have very expensive tastes and I like things to look a certain way. <laughs> Stephen is very down to earth and very much like let's relax and chill. Everything's fine the way it is. And so there's constantly discussion for us of do we want to spend the money on this? And here's a great coaching question with your, you know, to use with your spouse and even with your children. What will it cost? not just financially, but lifestyle-wise, time-wise. Because anytime you invest in a project or some sort of undertaking, it's going to take away from something else. And so do you make that decision or or, or do you not? Like we have a pond outside that the former owners put in and it's leaking. 
and we have to make a decision. You know, they spent an hour yesterday, my son and, and my husband trying to figure out where's the leak coming from and what's the problem. And do we, do we take the whole pond apart and rebuild it? Do we pay for somebody to take that pond apart and rebuild it? Do we, do we scrap the pond and put in a fire pit? Yeah. <laughs> and do we, do we hire somebody to do that or do we do it ourselves? So you've got all sorts of factors on the table mm -hmm. and most couples are going to disagree like that. You're just going to see things opposite. One's going to want to spend the money. One's going to want to, so that it doesn't cost their time. Mm -hmm. The other is going to want to save the money, which is going to cost their time. Mm -hmm. And the fights happen when we, um, don't put those pieces out on the table and don't willingly agree to the, to the decision. When, mm -hmm. when one of us feels coerced into the decision by a dominant personality, then that's when it gets ugly. Yeah. 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 So that's a situation where both spouses are invested in determining what their values are or determining yeah. what the culture is or determining what their tradition is. Um, but I know that there are some families out there where one spouse, for whatever reason, because they work a lot or they travel a lot or there may be health issues, they're just not actually even present in the process at all. And right. so um, talk to us about what you would say to a person to remind them how much influence they have just themselves. Yeah. Well, as you were asking that, here, here's a very practical example that came to my mind. And this is very recent about a year ago or so, uh, our whole family was driving home from a school concert and the kids were remarking and I was remarking at the talent that of the students that perform the solos at this concert. Mm -hmm. And, and I think my kids have the potential to be that talented, but they don't want to ever practice anything. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and, and we were talking about this of, you know, I guess I just would refuse to be tiger mom when it comes to co-curriculars. Like mm -hmm. I was involved in dance and play the violin and did the guitar and played the flute. And I did all these things to what end I felt like I lost friends and didn't gain t enough talent to show for it. So I have made a decision that I'm not going to major on that. And, and my oldest said, I think it was my oldest. She's like, no, mom, you didn't major on the art. You majored on the relationships. And I, I laughed at that because, but in a, in a good way, I'm like, yeah, no joke. And then one of the other kids chimed in, like you majored on how we treat each other. Mm -hmm. That is your number one concern that you would, that we would speak kindly to one another and respect one another publicly and privately. You never let bad behavior go. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, yeah, and I don't, and I know the place that comes from. I mean, I grew up in an abusive home. I, I've worked my whole life to have a family that is united with peace and love in Christ. And I would say that I have, I have driven that bus with my husband would say he appreciates it. He's grateful for it. He's glad he, he wouldn't have even known how to get in the driver's seat of that bus. Mm. Yeah. So, so he hasn't undermined that, that vision and that mission. Um, there have been times that I've looked at him like, can you help me out here? You know, and he's like, <laughs> yes, yes. Oh, I'm on it. You know, we're, we're, because it's my, it's my thing. It's, it's my passion point. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And I think it has bore, borne great fruit, but by the grace of God. Mm-hmm. So I think it is possible for a parent in a, in a family unit to say, this is a character thing that's really important to me. This is, a, this is something that's really important to me. And, and so this is what we're going to do. And I'll give you one little itty bitty more example. Um, it was just Memorial Day and my husband, first time ever in all of our years of marriage, felt that it was really important that we do something as a family to honor Memorial Day that was not about a barbecue, but was about remembering the people who died for our country's freedom. Mm -hmm. And so I said, okay, what do you want to do? And he said he wanted to go to the cemetery. And as the day unfolded, the pond got in the way of the day. Uh And, And I said, okay, this is really important to you. How can we do this in a different version? There's, there's a memorial that we've never been to. That's 20 minutes from our house. Can we go there? And we, the girls, the big girls were not home. And so we had to compromise. Like this couldn't be a whole family thing, Mm -hmm. but we still had two children left in the house and we took them and we made this happen. And the kids kept saying, why are we doing this again? Why are we doing this again? And I said, because this is important to your dad. So we're doing it for dad. Mm -hmm. Uh, And I think that's another way when you're a spouse in a relationship where it's just not that important to you, but because it's important to your spouse, you choose to advocate and, and steer the children in that support of that thing. You know, I think for a long time, I was waiting for permission to drive the culture of our home because I had this expectation that it, everything would be perfect and that we would just have everything figured out our, together on the same page. Mm-hmm. Um, and I keep using that expression, but like that's what I envisioned marriage to be. And so when things weren't important to my spouse, but they were important to me, I would throw pity parties and I would be like, you said this was a good idea, but I don't see you sitting on the couch, you know, doing X, yeah. Y, and Z like we talked about. Um, And then at some point I had to realize that we understand my influence over my family and to know Mm -hmm. that if it was important to me and I took the steps that I needed to take, that they would follow along. So it sounds like you were able to cultivate kindness and put an emphasis on relationship in your family, even though it wasn't necessarily your husband's thing and he wasn't driving the bus. So talk to us um, about that person out there who says, you know, my husband wants nothing to do with the changes I'm looking to make in my life. And he wants nothing to do with intentionally building culture. And, and in fact, he doesn't even understand it and he doesn't know why it's necessary. Ooh, Kim, that's good. Well, first off, I do think that as an individual, we have the power to impact every person we're in a relationship by actions and by words, mm-hmm. you know, by what we choose to say, and what we choose not to say. So I'd probably... I I think point number one would be spend time with the Lord identifying those things you want to major on as a, as a individual Mm -hmm. with or without the participation of your spouse that, and look at those things and say, is this within my ability to do this without having a partnership? I mean, Mm -hmm. a partnership will always make it better, but can you do it by yourself? And if those are things that you can do by yourself, Pick one at a time. Don't try to conquer the whole list, but start with one culture change mm-hmm. and, and begin to move in that direction uh, in the ways that you encourage your children, in the ways that you set up the schedule, in the ways that you set the table, it, wherever it fill, fills in 
the spots and then teach, turn those into teachable moments with your kids so that, hey, you know what? I love it when we all sit down together as a family at the table and I find when we dock our screens over here where I've put this basket, it, it helps me and hopefully will help you not feel tempted by it so we can be really present with one another. Mm-hmm. And if you're doing that and your kids are doing that, it's progress. Now, maybe your spouse is going to sit at the end of the table with their phone still and they might say, Daddy, go put your phone over there too. <laughs> you haven't had to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> right? I love that. Yeah. Right? You, you're just modeling it. And, and then maybe if daddy says, well, I need to keep it here for, for work, you can choose that moment to honor him and say, mm-hmm. yeah, dad works really hard to pay for the bills that we can live in this house and do your sports or do this or do that. Mm-hmm. Somehow turn that into a moment where you're honoring him and showing him appreciation mm-hmm. uh, or go in the other direction saying, you know what? when you become an adult, you get to make these decisions for yourself. But right now I'm guiding you in the decisions that I think are good for you at this age. So mm-hmm. kids and mommy are docking their phones here and this is the way we're going to roll. Yeah. You know, when I started working with a life coach, it wasn't until, I don't know, maybe a year, year and a half in that my husband was like, yeah, I've seen some differences in you. Mm-hmm. And I don't, and I didn't do anything major to disrupt the way we did life. I just started to take ownership of my own time and I became consistent in my correction and consistent in the, the choices I made and really backing them up and doing the work to, to support those decisions and choices. And um, I think it just trickled down to my husband and to my kids without me saying a word. And mm-hmm. so I think what you just shared is is powerful because I think that we really can have a significant impact by just focusing on one thing or two things that, that we can manage on our own. Yeah. Yeah. Small bite-sized pieces that can be invested in, in the long run. And when you master that, then you move on to the next mm-hmm. thing you want to add on to it. Um, mm-hmm. And I do think that action in this case speaks much louder than like policy decisions. Yeah, <laughs> totally. See, see, like you're saying, seeing the change. For me that happened, um, I, I went through counseling and that's how the Lord dealt with my anger issues and really healed me. And it was three years, maybe even longer. Later, I remember laying in bed next to my husband and he said, I would love it if God does in me what he's accomplished in you. Mm-hmm. And my husband doesn't have an anger issue, but he could recognize that God does transformative work. And mm-hmm. he wanted that to be a part of his life, not because I told him he had it, it had to be, but because he saw fruit. And so mm-hmm. I do think that same thing can happen with family, family culture is that mm-hmm. the areas that you're able to make those changes and go at it for the long haul and trust God with the process. Mm-hmm. So essentially, just like we'd mentioned earlier about recognizing what's important to your spouse and placing value on it, we're essentially talking about doing the same thing with our children. So yeah. it's, it's not just the parents running the show. It's about us really working together as a family in order to cultivate that culture. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I, I would add on to it, understanding each other's strengths and weaknesses and And so that we know where we need to push each other to kind of step out of our comfort zones and then where we can fill the gap in areas of weaknesses. Mm -hmm. Um, 
if we if we just play to the least common denominator, there won't be any growth for any of us. And mm-hmm. so how do we use our family unit to kind of push each other into joining God in his work, mm-hmm. whether it be on the field or in the auditorium or at work or around our table? Mm-hmm. What are the conversations that you have with your family in order for them to understand what's important to you? But one thing we've done as a family in the last couple of years since we left the boarding school and now can actually sit around a family table a couple nights a week, we do high lows mm-hmm. and it's enough of a habit that anyone will pitch it. And so somebody starts and you share the high of your day and the low of your day. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that is doing a pretty good job at, at helping us understand the joys and the stresses that are on each person. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I have... I really, I don't know, maybe it's like getting very close to being 45 that makes me more verbal <laughs> about my, my dreams and my hopes. But I have, I have shared with the kids and my husband in the last couple of months, like how important the arts are to me and how much I want to spend time at the museum and how much mm-hmm. I want to craft and create and, and make beauty that mm-hmm. I don't get paid for, but that I do for joy. And so mm-hmm. Uh, that looks like I went out and I, I went to the Habitat for Humanity store and I got an old table and I set it up and I have tins with paints and now sometimes it's all open on the kitchen table for four or five days on an end just because just because nobody else in the family wants to do that doesn't mean I shouldn't do it mm-hmm. and so that is an easy investment because it only costs a couple dollars to buy some paints and some mm-hmm. brushes Mm-hmm. I'd also like to take a European vacation in our, in our story that isn't going to happen. And mm-hmm. so um, how do I build that into my life? And that may mean a trip into the local city to do something that feels more cultured than just going up to the local Creek to go fishing, yeah. <laughs> which is yeah. what the other half of my family would like to do. Yeah. Yeah. That's great. All right. So why don't you let us know where we can find you online? Yeah, sure. So you can find me at moretobe.com. And that is a place that's all about coaching. Uh, So you can get coached, you can get trained to be a coach, which I have said to you before, Kim, and I say it all the time, I think it's a great skill to have as a mom, Mm -hmm. and as a wife to be able to know how to ask open ended questions and draw people out on the table to change my marriage and change my parenting. Uh, and then just resources, all sorts of resources there to help women experience a fresh encounter with God and his word. And you can also find me at Play-Doh Agency, which is where I do all my graphic design and branding and marketing work. And then on socials by my name, Elisa Pulliam. Okay. Well, thank you again so much. I love the insights that you gave us today on understanding the people that are in our family when they're not exactly like us. Yeah. Sounds good. Glad I was here. Glad I can do this. All right. Thank you. Thanks. Don't forget to check out Elisa's website, moretobe.com, but also check out her book, Unblinded Faith, Gaining Spiritual Sight Through Believing God's Word. You can find links to all of that in our show notes. If you've been enjoying the show, we'd like to ask you for a favor. Would you be willing to leave a short review in iTunes? We're passionate about helping families thrive and reviews help families find us. We really appreciate your support. Remember, family culture is not about perfect, it's about purpose. To learn more about the Family Culture Project, go to thefamilycultureproject.com. 
Today's episode was produced by Kimberly Amici, Noel Rhodes, along with production assistant Melanie Torres. The Family Culture Project is part of the Juniper Collective, a network of podcasting vision carriers who believe every person can have a better life.